Welcome to the Faith Center Church Podcast, reaching the world with the message of victory by building strong families and equipping people for successful living. Please enjoy this message from Pastor Glenn Johnson. All right, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, please. Matthew chapter 13. We're doing a series of lessons called The Law of Recognition. This will be our last teaching on this, part number five. We talked about it, verse 44 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. When he had found one pearl of great price, when he sold all that he had and bought it. Then in Luke chapter 10 is kind of our, um, this kind of explains this series in Luke chapter 10. The law of recognition basically says, and we can't, there's not a scripture that says the law of recognition. I'm just sh- sharing scriptures that prove this point. The law of recognition basically says whatever you celebrate and honor in your life will be greater in your life. And whatever you don't celebrate and don't honor in your life will eventually exit your life. Now Luke chapter 10, he sends these ministers out two by two. And he says, don't take any knapsack with you, carry no money bags, sandals along the way. But he says, when you go into these house, he said, eat and drink what such things as they give you. And he says, verse 8 says, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as set before you. Heal the sick there. Say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. It always bothered me that Jesus sent people out without knapsack and all those kind of things and without food or money. And I always wondered why he did that. And the reason why is because the way that you receive the person, the gift, is by giving him those things, that proves that you receive that gift. And then he says, once you receive that gift, then heal the sick there. In other words, so like John Smithwick coming next week, we're, we're, we've been preparing and just praying and seeking and believing God. We're going to see, I just believe the miracle working power of God is going to flow next week. Not because of John, but just because, you know, he's here and he's got a gift. And we're going to use that gift. We're going to honor that gift. God's going to heal some people next week. And, we, and I'm just looking forward to it. But when he comes, we're going to honor him with, you know, food baskets, and we're going to honor him and paying his, we're going to give him a great offering, and we're going to do all that kind of stuff because we want to, him to know that the gift is honored in this house because what you honor will come to pass in your life. So you have to honor the gift, and it's true of any, any minister. Well, it's true of your spouse. If you don't honor the gift that God gave you, then that spouse, the whole situation um, uh, I don't know, is there an anointing for a spouse? But it won't work for you if you don't honor it. You know, your friendships, different things. Now today I want to talk to you about recognizing the assignment that God has given you. If you don't honor and recognize the assignment that God has placed on your life then and honor that, then provision and everything else probably won't come to pass on your life. Many are called, but few are chosen. And I don't know how to explain that verse other than just simply this. If you're called, you do. People say, well, I'm called to be a worship leader. Well then, how come you don't come on Thursday nights to the worship thing and get involved? Well, because I'm burnt out. Well, then you're really not called. Uh, you know, well, I'm called to the children of face. I'm called to minister to the kids. Well, how come you're not involved in it? Well, I'm waiting for somebody to ask me. See, you're probably not called. Well, I'm called to start a great business. Well, okay, well, why don't you go do it? Well, because of the economy and because of this and because of that. Well, then you're probably not called to do that. So I'm going to kind of give you some things to recognize the calling of God upon your life, just some thoughts on the call of God in your life. When God speaks about a call, number one, it's always to people. 
It's always to people. God will have you, the calling of God on your life will always be to somebody. And you can look at different people. Paul was called to the Gentiles. Peter was called to the Jews. Moses was called to deliver the children of Israel. Jonah was sent to the people of Nineveh. God, when he gives an assignment, he always gives an assignment to go minister to people. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't start a business and do those kind of things, but the reality is, are we providing a service for people? People is what God cares about. God doesn't really care about anything else but people. He cares about souls. And so your assignment will always be to send you to somebody, some person, something. God will always give you an assignment to help people. I doubt whether God's going to call you to go, I mean, well, God's calling me to make new widgets. Well, that may be true, but what is the reason why he's calling you to do that is probably because he wants you to take the resources from that and do something with it for people. It just always comes back to, you have to understand, God cares about people. If you don't love people, you're in trouble, because that's what God loves. As a matter of fact, he says this in John, 1 John, he says, if you say, I hate my brother, and say, I love God, he says, now, I wouldn't say this to you, but he said it this way. He said, you're a liar. I wouldn't quote it that way, but he quoted it that way. He said, if you say you love God, but, but hate people, then he said, you're not telling the truth. So number one, your assignment, if you want to recognize your assignment, and this will just give you some help of recognizing your assignment, is always to people. There's always something God's going to give you to people. Maybe a ministry to your family, maybe a ministry to the children's church, maybe a ministry to youth, maybe a ministry to pastoring, maybe a ministry to, to help people, you know, spread the gospel, you know, throughout different worlds, might be help you to, you know, something, I'm, I'm going to be a businessman so I can give millions of dollars into the kingdom of God, and I'll just say this about business people, you say, well, God's called me to give, and as soon as I get money, I'm going to do it. No, you won't. No, you won't. If you don't tithe off your dollar and give off your dollar and give offerings off your dollar, you're never going to give off a, off, off a uh, you know, you win the lottery or something like that. Number two, what moves you is generally a clue to your destiny. What moves you is generally a clue. What do you cry over? Do you cry over things or do you, what, what, what's, what is the things that you see? What, what makes you mad? What, what is it, what is it just gets in there and you say, how come that church isn't doing that? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to that church because they just don't provide that ministry there in that church. Maybe the reason why you're in that church is to provide that ministry in your church because the church doesn't provide that ministry in your church. Just a thought. Boy, if they don't offer that, then I'm not going there because I really have a passion for that. Hmm. My passion is just so strong about that. But that church doesn't offer it, so i got to go somewhere that does. Let's see. Church doesn't offer it. My passion is that. Maybe that's... Whoa, that is rocket science, isn't it? That's some deep stuff. So maybe there's a passion that you have for something that maybe the church you're going to doesn't have. You know, and I'm going to tell you something. There's never going to be a church that provides every need for everybody. Because if they were, then we wouldn't be part of the body. We would be the body. But at the same time, if you have a passion for something, if you have a, a real passion for something in your heart, then maybe that's something that you have that God's just dealing with you about. Are you getting this? Well, I have a passion just to see 
you know, nursing home people saved. And well, you got to go to nursing homes to, to do that. I know this is simple and elementary, but most of the things, we just totally miss the gospel. But some, sometimes we miss so many things because they're so elementary and so stupid that we just forget that we missed it. Now, I'm giving you license here today because some of you say, well, yeah, but you don't understand my past, and you don't understand, and I could never measure up to being the minister and being the head of that organization and so on and so forth. Oh, really? Just talk to the person next to you, and you'll find out they're probably worse than you were ever thought of being. Right, Cass? I'm just kidding, Cass, just kidding. But just everybody in this church and different things, we're just a bunch of people that came together, God saved, God delivered from all kinds of junk in our lives, and thank God for that. And now well, let's spend our lives helping people and doing something for the kingdom of God. So what moves you? What, what is it that moves you? I don't lay awake at night thinking about trying to play guitar better. I just don't think about that. I don't lay awake at night on a lot of things in my life, but I lay awake at night thinking about how can I get buildings for this church? How can and by the way, we're working on building situations. <laughs> Guys, if I, 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 you know, we're trying to move, we're trying to buy a new building, the other building, Living Homes building. Oh, my gosh. It's just every week is something different. So just keep praying. Just keep praying the wisdom of God. Like I said, there's three options. This could happen quick. This could happen slow. Or this could not happen at all. So those are the three options. Be praying one of those things. So. But I will not, one thing I will not do is I will not put us and subject us to um, financial ruin thinking that's faith. Just re rest assured that we could be out there already, we could be doing church in our, on the other building, but I will not put us in that position because there's faith, foolishness, and presumption. And I want to be in faith, not foolishness or presumption. So back to number two. What moves you in, is a clue to your destiny. Number three, what's your passion your passion reveals your assignment. Now, passion is different than moving in, in some ways because passion is something that just you just are willing to take a lot of time. Passion is something that you think about. That you, this one guy one time I was talking to him, and, and he was an expert in history. And it wasn't long before he was on the Civil War, and he loved the Civil War. And I, and I like history. And he started talking to me. And, man, I could tell you, I mean, it was like, Everything he talked about was the Civil War. I mean, it was his passions, everything he talked about. And you can tell by what people talk about is generally their passion. Young men, girls are not your passion. So quit talking about them all the time. Got to get off that thing. So, but your passion is something you talk about, you think about, you, you'll study, you'll take time studying about, you'll give up jobs for, you'll give up your life for, you'll give up situations for, you'll put everything down because you have a passion for something. And it just moves you. You know, someone said this one time, and I love it. They said, you know, we're always, we always think that God's, like, calling us to do something. You know, well, God's calling me to go over to this point. And I didn't even want to go. People say, I don't even want to go. You know, it's hard enough to talk us into doing something we want to do, let alone something we don't want to do. I think a lot of people end up going places in their life with no passion because they think God's calling them. And I say, if you have a passion for something, you're going to enjoy that passion for that. You're going to enjoy it. The, the ministry and different things and starting businesses and all that kind of stuff, you're going to enjoy it. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, Paul said in verse 13, he said, uh, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, 
I press, I press, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press. Passion is pressing. We're pressing all the time. We're moving in something. What, what, what do you get up in the middle of the night? What will cause you to get up in the middle of the night, spend time on your knees in prayer? Or did you think about, you pray about something that motivates you, something that actually gets you off your rusty, dusty, and doing something is generally something we're called to do. What is your passion in life? Number one, it's always the people. Number two, it's what moves us, you as the clue. Number three, what's your passion? Number four, your assignment generally is a location. Your assignment is generally in a location. Look at Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to share something with you, some scripture that you'll be happy with. Now, here's an interesting thought here. Your, your, your assignment is generally a, a position, a place. And there's several scriptures like this, several different scriptures. But now Abraham, a- Abraham had this kid named Isaac, and he's all excited about it because he's the son of promise. And God said, I want you to take the young lad up and I want you to crucify him. I want you to, I want you to stick, uh, not crucify him, but I want, you to, I want you to sacrifice him on the altar. And so Abraham like, what's up with that, you know? So we pick the story up in, in Genesis chapter, uh, Genesis chapter uh, 22, verse 1 says this. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abram, Abraham, and he said, here am I. Then he said, take your, now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Notice this, on one of the mountains which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Underline that. The place of which God had told him. The place which God had told him. That's obedience. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the, the place, the place after, afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, uh, the lad, and I will go yonder and worship. And notice what Abraham says. Now notice this now. Okay, now watch the terminology here. He, talk, he talks to Abraham and he says, look, I want you to go up on this mountain. I want you to sacrifice your son as a burnt offering. And look what, look what Abraham's response was. He says, he says uh, we will go yonder and worship and we, we will come back to you. Now, he didn't know how it was going to happen. God may raise him from the dead or whatever, but he knew that was the son of promise. He says, we will come back to you. So he trusted God. He says, then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. And the lad and I will go yonder and worship and we'll come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it at Isaac, his son. And he took the fire, in, uh, the fire and in his hand a knife and the two of them went together. And Isaac spoke to Abraham, father, and said, my father. And he said, here am I, son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offerings? In other words, oh, I'm, this is getting a little suspicious here. I'm about ready to, this is not good. And Abraham said, my son, notice these words. God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together, and they came to the place which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the, upon the altar of the wood. And you know the story. The, 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 all of a sudden, God stops him, and a lamb shows up for the sacrifice right at that time. Now, it's interesting, this terminology here says, God will provide. Now, there's a, 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 a word that we made songs out of in the, in the 80s. There was a song called Jehovah Jireh. Remember that song? 
yeah, Jehovah Jireh, my, it means Je- my provider. Jehovah Jireh is, literally says my provider or God will provide. That in the, in the Hebrew, that right there is, is where, where, where God used that. He said, he said uh, God will provide or Jehovah Jireh. That's the, now watch this now. We made whole songs out of it, but that's the only place that's the only place in the whole word of God where Jehovah Jireh is used. It's the only scripture in the whole word of God where Jehovah Jireh is used. God will provide. But notice, God will provide where? In the place where he sent. In the place, his provision is in that place, in that place, in that place where God sent him. That's the only place in the word of God Jehovah Jireh is used, and he says, in that place. So your, your place is generally a geographical location or I would say this probably in a church setting. Listen to Adam's tape last week about church. He said, you don't get to choose your, I love what Adam said last week. He said, you don't get to choose your church. I love that. You don't get to choose your, everybody will choose in their church. You don't get to choose your church. And God provides in the place of obedience and the place where he sends you is where that provision comes. So sometimes if your provision is drying up, maybe you're not in the place where God wants you to be or in the place or doing the thing that God wants you to do in the obedience part of that thing, your provision is dried up because you're not in the place where God wants you to be or in the, in the place or in that situation. Can you see that? So in that place. So, and you can see that with First Kings and, and Elisha was, said, hey, I want you to go to Zarephath. In Zarephath, he says, I want you to go there because I've sent a widow to provide for you. What if he said, well, I don't want to go to Zarephath. First Kings 17, I, I, I don't want to go there. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I just don't have a desire to go there. Well, there was a famine in the land, and he would not have been provided for unless he was in the obedient place. So your assignment is generally a place. And I say this, you know, it's amazing to me the way God is always leading people every other year to a different place. And, you know, God's led me one place. I don't know about you, but I don't think God leads us every two years to a different place I think he just wants us to be in a place where God sends us to a place and just plug in and do what God wants us to do. Whether it's a job situation or marriage or whatever, God's a long-term God in things. So your assignment is generally a geographical location. Number five, you have to steward your gift. A lot of people have the same gift you do, the same assignment you do, but they don't steward their gift that well. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, study to show yourself approved. Jesus spent 30 years of preparation before his ministry happened. You know, a lot of times the, we think the Apostle Paul was uh, struck blind on the road to Damascus, and day after, you know, the day after that, he went out and was an apostle. It was 15 years of study before he sent, was sent out in ministry, and he wasn't sent out as an apostle. He was sent out as a prophet. Yeah, actually, he was, a, he was a prophet and teacher in the church of Antioch. And so you, you see there's, there's, there's a preparation time. Jesus spent 30 years, and we know that he was an incredibly smart man. Even at 12 years old, he was incredibly smart. And we don't even know what happened those 18 silent years, but I'll guarantee you he was studying, praying, and ministering. And then when time came ha- happened, he stewarded his gift that God gave him, and he took off. Now some people say, well, that was God. He just knew everything. No, he still had to study. He still had to pray, different things. Number six, people don't necessarily understand your assignment. Look at Mark chapter six. People don't always understand your assignment. Mark chapter six. Things you're called to do, people don't always get it. In Mark chapter six, Jesus was doing healing the sick and was on the, in the midst of his ministry, and man, he's changing the world with the disciples, and they're going out and doing some things. 
And then he goes back to his own hometown, and family members and friends gave him problems. Isn't it amazing the way sometimes you're celebrated, your gifts are celebrated outside of your family and outside of your friends? Jesus had a problem here. Verse 1 says this, then he went out from there, just as Mark chapter 6, verse 1 says, then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogues, and many hearing him were astonished. Now, don't let that word astonished fool you. It wasn't like they were astonished in the sense they were like, oh, this guy is cool. They were astonished like jealousy astonished. It says uh, they were astonished. Um, the Sabbath had begun hearing him. Uh, they were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things, that what wisdom is this which has given him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, brother of James and Joseph and Ju- Judas and Simon? <clears throat> are not his sisters with us? So they were offended at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives and own house. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about in the villages in a circuit teaching. So the close people, the relatives, the neighbors, they're like, what, what's up with this guy? What, what's going on with this guy, man? I mean, you know, he, he played with our kids. Who does he think he is? We had a better house than him growing up. Who does he think he is now? We're the ones that were, we were the ones in high school voted most likely to succeed. And here this guy goes ahead of us, and he's now a world figure, and everybody knows his name because he's getting miracles. Not everybody will understand what you're called to do. So what are you going to do? Are you going to back down? Are you going to back down? My dad, when I first came back from Bible school, my dad was, now my dad loved me. I mean, you know, you know the story, but my dad loved me and tried to do his best, but alcohol got the best of him. Latter years, he forgot every birthday and just was drunk all the time, different things. But when I first got back from Bible school, um, he, he, he wanted to come to church with me because he wanted to see this cult leader, Pastor Matson, that was leading me in, and uh, this cult, I mean, he just knew this guy was a cult leader, you know, because, because of the Bible school I went to and everything. So he, so he came to church and he met Pastor Matson and went, oh, now that's not, he obviously not a cult leader. <laughs> and, and, and my dad started warning me about, you know, my dad got real religious and he started warning me about, Things he said, you know, son, you need to go. You need to get. A, you need to go get a job. He said, Dad, I, I'm going to be in ministry. Well, you need a career and all. And he didn't understand. And then pretty soon he said, you know, you know, you, you're one of them them charismatics that they talk about. I said, well, Dad, okay. I said, no. L- let me let me ask you a question. I said, just a thought here. Let me ask you a question. Uh, there's three of us original kids from my, the first marriage my dad had. The second marriage, there, she, he married a lady with eight kids. And, uh, and so there's, you know, there, there was 11 of us. Man, when we had dinner together, it was, you know. You know, I, I came from a family that drank milk. When you have eight kids, you don't drink milk, you know, because you take you four gallons on a thing, you know. So, but we, when we get together, I said, well, I said, well, I said, well, who do you think, out, out of all the eight kids, I said, or uh, 11 kids, I said, can you tell me who, who do you think probably, you know, would, has the most fruit in their life as far as, at this point in their life, who, who do you think has the most fruit? He said, well, you and, and, and your stepsister, and they mentioned their name. And I said, well, isn't it interesting that we both went to the same Bible school? Isn't that interesting that we both went to the same Bible school? But so people don't always understand your assignment, but you, that doesn't mean you have to back down. You've got to keep doing it. You've got to do what God calls you to do anyway. Are you getting this? I'm just telling you some thoughts about your assignment. 
Finally, number seven is every time God gives you a, a plan, every time God gives you a vision, there's always an enemy that will come and try to destroy your vision. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, says, we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Well, why am I pointing these out in the law of recognition? Because if you recognize these things, then you can overcome some of these things. Let me give you six things about your enemy. Number one, um, your enemy is anyone or anything that distracts you from your assignment. Your enemy is anyone or anything that distracts you from the assignment God has given you. Now, that doesn't mean your enemy has to be one of those people where you tell them they're an enemy, but because it might be somebody close to you. But anyone who distracts you from your assignment is an enemy. Number two, people that talk about your past more than your future are your enemy. People that talk about your past, when I say enemy, you understand, I'm, just talk, I'm not talking about evil enemy that's coming against you, I'm talking about somebody trying to stop, there's somebody trying to stop the, the vision. But what pe people talk about your past more than your future. Well, you can't do that because you, you went through this. So you, you know, you've been divorced twice, and you, you can't do that. Well, I'm here to tell you that God's a redemptive God, and he looks to your future, doesn't care about your past. He looks to your future. God doesn't care about your past. He cares about your future. And God doesn't disqualify us because of our mistakes. Number three, to overcome the enemy, you have to speak the word. Look at Matthew chapter 4. Jesus did this, and always, these are always just things we need to be put in remembrance because sometimes we assume, well, I'm going to say, sometimes there's an assumption by people as well as myself that somehow if we just live as a Christian long enough, that somehow things are just going to get better on their own. You ever thought that? You know, I'm a Christian. I've been around long enough. So I, just by tenure, by, by me being around, God should heal me because I've been around a long time. You know, the enemy should just depart from my life because I've been around a long time. And, you know, and people ought to just come and fall down at my feet and get all this wisdom just because I've been around a long time. But there's a real enemy coming against you. And the way we overcome the enemy, it doesn't matter whether you're in the faith two days or, or 20 years. You have to overcome the enemy the same way. All of us have to overcome the enemy. Matthew chapter 4. Jesus was led up the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2. And when he had fasted 40 days and nights, afterwards he was hungry. I'll bet he was. And when the tempter came to him and said, if, if, you're, if you are the son of God, and command these stones to become bread. And he answered and said, it is written, it is written, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The devil took him up to a holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, you shall have, he shall give your angels charge over you. And in their hands they'll bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. That Jesus said, it is written, again, you should not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Notice verse 11. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The devil left him when? When he spoke the word. Didn't happen on the first time, second time, or third time. Finally, it happened on the third time when he spoke the word. But he spoke the word. He, he was full of the word, and he spoke the word. And the devil left him because he spoke the word. Now, how did the devil come here? A lot of times people think that the devil came, you know, Jesus is fasting and praying. He walks up, pitchfork, red suit, horns on, says, hey, dude, I've got some things I want to show you. No. 
I believe that the, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. So he was tempted the same way we are. How does the devil come to you? I doubt whether he comes to you red suit, pitchfork. He comes to you in the thought process. He comes to you and throws all these negative thoughts in your brain. You'll never get healed. No one will ever love you. Hmm? I'll never be anything. I never accomplished anything. My business is going under. My church is going under. Man, she doesn't love me. This ha- and all these thoughts come to your brain constantly. And the way you overcome the devil is when he comes to your brain is you overcome the devil by saying, it is written. It is written. It is written. So the enemy comes in you and you're preparing for a trip or missions trip or whatever and you're a thousand dollars short and the enemy comes in you and says you're going to be the only one in the history of faith center that didn't get to go because you're not going to have enough money to go and don't tell me i mean the enemy will come he gets creative you're going to be the only one you know this is the this has never happened to anybody else this has happened to you and you start dwelling you sit there in your house thinking about oh my god oh my god Oh, my God. i got to call some of my gossipy friends so they can, oh, my God, with me. So they can all agree with me that, oh, things are a bummer. So they call five of your friends. Yep, things are a bummer. We confirm that. I want to find my most negative friends and call them because at least they'll sympathize with me. And we can all say, well, it's a bummer together. No, you get out your Bible. You get out your scriptures. You say it is written. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his written and glory by Christ Jesus. And you start speaking the word and you start saying things. And you, sometimes, there's sometimes, the guys, I, I, I have a clicker. Sometimes, I'm not in that mode right now, but sometimes I'll put that clicker in my car and I'll say something a thousand times in one day. Why? Because I'm getting God to move? No, so I'm getting Glenn's mind right. I'm getting Glenn, I'm not getting the devil, I'm getting Glenn's mind right, just so I'll say it. By his stripes I'm healed. 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 Had to say it last night. Throat, my throat started getting tight and different things. I thought, well, I'm not going to let the devil, you know, all of a sudden I've got my mind, you know, in my mind. Now, think about this. This is the way it works, and I'm almost done. Last night, my throat's getting scratchy. Cold's starting to come on me. Things are starting to happen. My mind starts preparing for, you know, you've been out this 29 years and you've never missed a service because of sickness in your life. You missed one couple other reasons, but you've never missed a service because of sickness in 29 years. And this is going to be your first one because your voice is going to go and you're not going to have a voice in the morning. I mean, this is the, am I alone here or is I'm, uh, are you going to amen me just once in a while? And that infection is not only going to get in your throat, it's going to get in your heart, a heart attack and die, brain cancer. Foot's going to fall off. Going to get hit by, I mean, you know how it works. So what do you say? Yes, that's right. I call some of my friends that are going to miss tomorrow. because No, I said, you know what? By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. And I'm here preaching today with a loud voice. So your assignment, there will always have an enemy. You know what my enemy is? The enemy tries to attack my throat. Why? Because I'm a big mouth for Jesus. Are you getting this? Your enemy has an assignment. Don't agree with that. My wife's over there agreeing with that. I can't believe it. The enemy number four came. Thanks for listening to the Face Center Church Podcast. If you haven't already, you can add us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to both our podcast and our YouTube.